On today's episode, Dave interviews Al Rose. Al is a singer, a songwriter, an artist, a businessman, a poet, and one of Dave's dearest friends. Al's produced and recorded six albums and is open for Susan Vega, Leon Russell, and David Bromberg. On location in Chicago, I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I don't know that, I think that of all the people that I've spoken to, we've known each other, now, I can't say, I don't know that I can say the longest, but we've known each other for a really long time. And we've been through a lot of, because lately what I've been thinking about, like, lately what I've been thinking about is the creative process. Like how the fuck we do what we do. And I put you in that what we do because you are doing what we're doing, which is essentially keep fucking going forward. And not just because you do music, but you do music, you do art, you do writing, you do poetry, you perform, and you also have a ten, you also have you, if somebody says something, your first reaction isn't, no, I can't do that. Your first reaction is, oh, that's exciting. Do you agree with that? Yes. Uh-huh. And so you haven't stopped doing this. Why would I stop? Um, I'm incapable of stopping. I know. I understand that. I understand that. But there are some people who, who will, you know, oh, well, here's the thing. You run a fucking business. And you find the time to get all this shit in. You don't see, oh, I run a business. I work at the business. I I given you the business. <laughs> There's all that. Fifteen but, yards worth. Right. You do you do that. Then you also find time to write. You find time to do music. You find time to travel. You live a fucking huge, awesome life. Uh, thank you. Have we started? <laughs> Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. This is we're rehearsing. No, no rehearsing. Well, here's the thing about finding the time: mm-hmm. is that if I try to find the time on paper and schedule things in with discipline, I don't think it would work because I don't think it would fit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the time comes from because there's always no time. There's so, always no time. You don't know where the time comes from because there's always no time. If you say there's no time, is that what you mean? I don't say it out loud. But do you understand what I mean? That you're saying there's always time. There's always time. There's there's always never not no time. Mm-hmm. You added an extra no there, but I think that I understand. Okay, we'll sweep it under the rug. Right, we'll fix it in post. Shit, we look. We're doing what we're doing, and I by we I'm saying you and me and other people, mm-hmm. all the people you've talked to, mm-hmm. for reasons which are. Beyond at this point, career move. We're I don't know if we're sitting down going, all right, this is how we're plotting things out. We're we're motivated to to do this and create. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I may have said that I think I would be incapable of stopping. Right. I don't wouldn't know how to stop. Right. In order for you to stop, you'd have to work on stopping. I as can't opposed to keep going. I will work on keep going. I don't have time to, to figure out how to stop. It's the, it isn't, and yet there's so many. It's just, this is such an interesting thing to talk about because I feel like everybody is entitled to the journey that they go on. And you go on that fucking journey, whatever that journey is. I don't know that people give up. I think that people will try to talk themselves out of moving forward because society tells them, parents tell them, culture tells them, their age tells them. Their sexuality, their gender, all these things that are constraints that are outside of the artistic um, uh, purview or outside of the artistic inspiration. 
there there's all these pressures and some people give up some people fizzle out um i think some people fight it fight what uh moving on and keep keeping on doing what we do which is create we haven't spelled it out for right. the people in the net who are listening to this whoever they are mm-hmm. and but some people like you said dictated by family and culture and society think well i'm 30 now i shouldn't be doing this but yet they keep bubbling up with stuff i just gave up i don't i never thought about ever stopping anything there's somebody that that said something to me the other day and i can't remember if i talked about it on this but the concept of settling down someone saying you know i'm x age and i need to settle down i've got to settle down or i have to think about settling down and for the first time i really thought about what that i thought of that phrase settling down the word settling the word to settle because to settle means settling down calming down that means to settle i think settle also means no i'll settle with what it is that i have which means accept it and i feel like just having that sentence in my head or that phrase in my head of settling down not me but one having that phrase in their head of settling down i think of that that's an echo of something that we don't want to pay attention to but we still feel like oh i need to pay attention to that if you think of it as in two ways the opposite of settling down would be settling up and settling up if you think of a person with a yiddish accent settling would be settling so opposite of settling down would be settling we're going to settle, settle up, up. Settle, settle up got it so that's settle. how i deal with it um, starting now. <laughs> i i it's you know i i also think about is it hard doing what it is that i'm doing or is it just something that i'm doing because yeah. if i say it's hard doing what we're doing then it becomes hard doing what we're doing what are we doing when you say what are we doing what do you mean what are we doing Are you asking me what it is that I'm talking about? I'm talking about moving forward. I'm talking about the creative process. Keeping on, keeping on. Right. Right. Yes. What about it? Um, I think a lot of people stop because they think they hear that they hear that voice that says don't move forward. Apparently, we've not heard that voice. Or we've heard that voice and we've gone we've gone past that voice. Or we say it's a voice and it's not my voice. I think any voice you hear in your head it might be distilled from other voices but it's pretty much your voice it might be the voice in your head expressing self-doubt. Mhm. But it's still your voice. Right. You might think it comes from other voices but at this point in what we're doing I mean really you know we're not feeling any pressure to stop doing. I mean it's a given. We're doing it. Let's talk about doing it. Mhm. That's, you know, right here right now mm-hmm. on the table. Right. With the mints and the vodka. Right. Because it's it's not even a question. That is true. It's not a question. So let's talk about creativity and well, and your creativity and my creativity and how it dates back 35 years maybe. Uh I want to say I was not even, clearly i was not in my 20s um i graduated in 77 i graduated high school in 77 1977 yes right and uh i graduated high school in 
and I think I met you in 77, 78. I think it was probably 78. 78. And we, 78. So. I heard of you. Yes. I've heard your name yes. bandied about. Let's see, 78 is uh, 35 years ago. I think I remember the first time we encountered each other in person was at the art show in Evanston that your dad had a piece in and my sister had a piece in. Mm -hmm. And Andy Barish was with me. God rest his soul. And you, he saw you. He said your name. Right. He said, my, do you know? We're like, oh, yeah. Right. So that's Through it. Through both. Yeah. Right. Right. So actually, art has always been and has always been at the base of our relationship. Yeah. It was at that first moment. Oh, I so many things. Art, to be sure. Right. Art being um, a, a visual art. Art not just being the broad, the umbrella that all right. that lives in. Okay. But uh, sculpture, and I think my dad had a painting there, mm -hmm. and, your, and your sister had... Etching. An etching. I believe. Uh-huh. Right. At the Evanston Art Show, at the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Okay, so, and you were going to say something else? I was saying, I was saying visual art? Yes, art, and then from then, music, right. eggs, breakfast, toast, movies, right. road trips, Freedom Series. Right. I was talking about the Freedom Series that, remi that uh, reminded me, uh, or that uh, exposed me to the fact that I can't eat um, dried fruit and be in a car with somebody was when we did a Freedom Series. The Freedom Series was we get in the car and we aim the car in a direction. And we would have a case of beer in the car. Guinness. Guinness, because it could be drank warm, as opposed to other beer, which can be drank warm. Um, and we had a case of beer, and we had, uh, it Grapes. was February, and we had dry, we had, trek, check, not checks Mix, but Trail Mix. Was it February? It was really cold. It was really cold. And we were heading down, and this is the reason, is it was really cold, the dried fruit and just my farts were awful in the car, and we couldn't roll the windows down, really, because it was like 20 degrees outside. Did we do two Freedom Series? We did a Freedom Series to the, to, to the Mississippi, and I felt like we did the... I think this one was uh, when I worked in prison, and I was doing the prison in Lebanon, and you came down with... You, you, you drove You needed to drop off a file or a shim or something. I had a prison. show to do. You had you did a show in the I prison? did a show. I did a presentation to uh to to the um uh the correctional officers through Geese Company. And so and you came down with me. And afterwards we started in uh, Ohio and then we went had... down to Kentucky to where like Wendell Berry country yeah. and then we, we moved up from there. Watched a fishing show <clears throat> on a motel uh, we thought it was the coolest thing, a fishing show. Now, they're ubiquitous. Right. You can't turn on the TV without seeing a, a fishing Fuck, show now. Turn on the TV. Today, I was with my brother, and we went to see Aunt Annie, my aunt, who's 95. She's living in uh, an assisted living facility. And we're sitting around, and we're having this. It was my mom, my 94-year-old 94 aunt. She'll be 95 April 13th. My, my brother, Jordy, and my sister, Rachel. And we're sitting there, and we're having this great conversation, and we're right in front of a television, and Jordy turns the TV on, and I lost my fucking mind. Well, I just want to see what the fair score is. It's like, we're sitting in front of the TV. What? No. Turn it off. Turn it off. I can't take it. Did you go to blows? It came really close. Like, I want to say, give me the remote. Give me the remote. 
Give me the remote. I lost my mind. I apologize later. Did you? Yes, I did. How did he feel about that? He felt, he totally took my apology and he said, I totally understand. I absolutely understand. It was a lovely apology. Apologize. Have you and Jordy come to physical blows in the last 10 years? No. 20? Uh, no. 30? I've been, I've been in LA almost 20 years. Huh. It'll be 19 years, January 15th, that I'll be in LA. I Jordy do. and I came to blows in college. We came to blows before that, but we came to blows in college. Like physical blows. Both physical blows. Did and anybody York, land a punch? No, I think it was like pushing and shoving down, and we were we were broken apart by. <laughs> what was it about? I think it was about television. <laughs> <laughs> he want, he wanted to he watch wakes a bozo. Up, well, he wakes up in the morning and turns the TV on, and I could go days on end without turning a TV on. And that sound in the background of, of, of commercials and shit like that drives me fucking crazy. Exactly. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't, I couldn't take it. I think, I, I, I think that might've been it, but there was, there were, yeah, we got into, we got into blows. What about you and Aunt Annie? Annie and I, this is funny today. We were talking about my, uh, we were talking about my aunt, and then we later on we talked about my grandmother, my Bubby, who gave, who turned me on to this meat. That meat. Called, meat. Or Listen. This... So I went over to her house, and I went over to her house, and she said, "I'll make you a sandwich." And I said, "What kind of sandwich is it?" And she said, um, uh, "She said it's meat." And I said, "What do you mean it's meat?" And she said, "It's a meat sandwich." When was and this? I'm like, well, oh, you know, I was 17, 16, oh, okay, 17. Okay. And uh, she said, it's me, buddy, it's me, it's me, eat meat. I'm like, okay, great. And, um, and I, I take a bite out of it, and it's like, I never tasted anything like that before. And I open up the bun, and there are taste buds. It was tongue. And I was like, what the fuck? So I was talking today about how my, my bubby gave me tongue, and uh, how it grossed me out. <laughs> and then I was like, Who's, who wants a tongue from their grandmother? So that was just the story. I'm sticking with it. Getting tongue from your grandmother. You don't want to get no, tongue No, I from totally your get it. Yeah. I'm just thinking I wanted to say it again because I don't think I'll ever be able to say it again because it, it didn't land as well. Since as that. that time, have you ever given tongue to your grandmother? No. 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 I've never given her lip either. It's meat. It's meat. Eat it. It's meat. Eat it. It's meat. She loved tongue. I think that's what the meat industry, that's their phrase. Their slogan? Yeah. Eat you, it. It's meat. Yeah. It's kind of lowest common denominator. It's, it's what's... Sort of like, Buy it. It's for sale. It's meat. Just deal with it. Right. Exactly. It be meat. Right. Uh, and oh man, I just I love going over to my grandmother's house. I love even in my in my mind. I love going over there because lately I've really been thinking about the energy that people give each other just by existing. Somebody walks in the room and you go. <gasps> Somebody walks in the room and you go. <sighs> and are we aware or responsible for that for giving off that energy? Are we responsible? Am I responsible for the energy? That, am I responsible for how you perceive my energy? Are you responsible for you know how I, mean? I perceive your energy? Yeah, right. Well, yes. So if you go, David, yeah, in what way? Well, if you're a nice guy and you mm -hmm. give off nice energy and you walk in a room, that's excellent. And right. you are responsible for being the nice guy. Mm -hmm. But if you're an ass jag, right. And you give off that energy, mm -hmm. it's your fault. It's not uh -huh. my fault. Right. Which room? 
Um, is it my say, my room, my bedroom? Well, maybe. I I am I imagine I walk into a party, just a party. Okay. I see it as a party. Okay. I actually I see it I see it as a party. Did you come through the door? Yes, I did. Okay. I came through the door, and I'm wearing a coat. I don't know why. I see it as I walk into a party wearing a coat, overcoat, and yeah, an overcoat, but more like um, like a like a like an autumn black autumn jackety wool. Maybe with a lining, but well, not with too a lining and yeah. certainly a collar, and but it's more of a jacket. Okay, but, right. and I think that I'm wearing a scarf. So I walk into a room looking like that. I'm not wearing a hat. I walk into a room and I'm giving off the energy of my being alive. And you know what? It's exciting to think of things in terms of that. To walk into a room, yeah. It's exciting to walk into a room, and it's also exciting the idea of saying I am giving off this energy, and this energy, and this is the this is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Is this energy isn't somebody. If I see somebody, if I see you, I know I'm going to be inspired by the energy that you're giving off. And I like people like that, and I like having those people in my life. And I think a lot of people hold on to relationships far past the point of that, the usefulness of that relationship. Way past the sell-by date. If a person has their inspiration has a sell-by date. Mm-hmm. But they keep it, even though it's like, oh my God, this 2006... Right. And they're still right. around. Well, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think about you, I think about Rhonda, I think about Bo, people that we know, friends that we have. Um, and I feel like we are, we're always moving forward. We're always being inspired by that next thing. We're always being inspired by something in that moment. We're present with what's going on in that moment. We talked about somebody the other day. Do you remember we're talking about that person that, that seems to be getting larger, inflated? All right. And I look at him and I feel like it, he, I, if I saw him, I would be able to only spend a certain amount of his energy mm-hmm. or be in that energy for just a certain amount of time before I want to go, you know what? Um, if I was honest right now, I would say to you, I've had enough of you. Right. But instead, you can lean over with the valve. You understand what I mean? You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. I understand. And I go, uh-uh. No. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's really important for me to hang around with people that are inspiring. Oh, yeah. And one of the cool things about our friendship and the friendships that we have is that when we're together, we're often talking about the now and the moving and what's coming up. What have you been doing? What's new? What's coming on? You got new songs? What shows you're working on? We're, well, first of all, we don't have, do we have glory days to talk about? We don't sit around doing shots talking about, hey, remember that time from, from at the dead show? We do because those are good times. Right. But we don't, it's not like people who get together and the, the sole reason they, they exist is we went to high school together and we talk about, and, we, and we're 54 years old and we're still talking about Mr. Barron, you know, and Mr. Binnenfeld and, and Helen Dunbar and all that stuff. Mr. Barron. Yeah. Was he ever able to have children? He did. I saw one of his children. How high was he? he uh, there was a guy named Sheldon Barron was a principal of the school that my mother worked at because my mom was a clerk yeah. and her boss was Sheldon Barron and last year I went to a bar that a restaurant around the corner from IO and somehow I got to talking to the owner and the owner knew Sheldon Barron's son and he contacted me and said let's get together wow it was crazy it was crazy did you uh, he's in he's he's in Vegas and it's like I just don't like going to Vegas 
How much time have you spent in Vegas? Well, my grandparents live in Vegas. Oh, right. You've taken trips with your mom and uh, yeah. Jordy. Hey, we're going yeah. to Vegas. We're done. I'm done with Vegas. I'm done with Vegas. Did something happen? Well, it's boring. Oh, right. it's fucking boring. So you're, it's not like there's an incident. No, it's not like, you know, the mayor of Vegas and I are fighting. Because if there had been an incident, then you know that I would have already known about it. Yeah. Because I know too much. Right. Oh, you do. Oh, you do know too much. You could have me killed. Or you should have me killed. No, I don't know. Because of what I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I, this is what I've been thinking about lately, too, is I have so little to be humiliated about, embarrassed by, or hiding. I have so little to hide. I don't know that I'm hiding anything. So any of the things that, that happen when you think, oh, I, I can't wait to tell Al, you would pretty much tell anybody. You, I would tell you the story first, and then I would tell other people. Okay. But, but there's nothing that you that's for the vault or that you tell me that. No, 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 no. Mm, well, maybe some things. Maybe some things. I think about things that I am not humiliated about, but rather things that I look at and go, you know what? That was a really growing experience that I get to have for myself or have with you that share with you and say this happened. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people are holding on to stuff. A lot of people are holding on to. Um, they're hiding things. And I feel like I, I want to live a life of honesty. And when I live a life of honesty, I don't have to hide anything. If you're honest, you don't need a hiding place. Well, it's easier that way. It's, it's kind of easier. It, what do you mean it's easier? To not hide something because then you're not rehiding something that you've hidden. Uh, right. You don't have to keep finding a new hiding place for that thing. Right. Whatever that's going to be. A humiliating experience or a... You know, something that you're embarrassed about, well, it would be a humiliating experience, but I don't, I just don't have those things. Like, some people say, oh, a good friend is somebody that goes to your, uh, right, right, right when they hear that you die, they don't, they don't do anything but first go to your uh, web browser and erase your history. People have said that, I don't know if you heard that. What? Yeah, that's a good friend goes to your web browser and erases your history because it's like, oh, I don't want to look at what you've been Googling. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, that sort of thing. all right, yeah. Um, Look at my web browser. Go through all of my. Go through all of the history. Do it. Doggy, go through all of doggysocks.com. Like but, but there are some people that are humiliated by whatever yeah. it is. I don't have it. Good for you. Do you? I don't think so. Are you embarrassed right now? No, I'm really. I'm living. I, I right now. I feel like I have never been. I have never been more honest in my life than I have been right now. At this moment, I really truly believe that there are, I really truly believe that there's very little in my life, if anything, that I'm hiding. That's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. And it's fun. I believe that and it's fun, fun to too. talk because then you're a little freer and then the people who are around you are, they come clean to it. Right. And that's really important too. And that's going back to the idea of inspiring people by the energy that you're giving off. If I feel that I can trust you, then that trust isn't just about what I can tell you. That trust is also about what we can develop together. Because I know, I don't think that you're, you're going to go, no, I can't do that, or whatever that's going to be. Because who the fuck wants to be around people like that? They shut you down. They do, you know? Don't be shut down. I was thinking recently, when I was thinking about our friendship and what you do and how you create and what I do, and think about the times that we've been sitting around either at a kitchen table or 
by the front back or on the way back at the various apartments that we've been in or in the cars that we've been in. And we've basically have been improvising and we've been playing games for 35 years together. Right. And I don't know what, well, I do know what things that you've done in the times that we've been sitting around hanging, banging a horse until it falls and it's dead. And then we, we've had 35 years of dead horses around us. Yeah. And you, you must've taken some of that to what, you've done and and what you've created in all the shows you've done the teaching you've done as <coughs> as have I with the songs or the things that I have written mm-hmm. because when any person is writing like when I'm writing when anybody's writing at some point it's improvising right you're just you happen to do the bulk of your improvi- improvising in front of people right i'm lucky enough to do the bulk of my improvising somewhat by myself when I'm writing mm-hmm. and but I think back to the times that we've we've made up games just sitting just mm-hmm. talking just doing that well I thoughts uh, the the fact that I did a show and in ETC and when we were playing uh, these guys coming back from the from World War two and telling war stories and using that ward nomenclature and the 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 uh, the words that people use like by gosh by golly and someone said um, uh, Kenny Campbell would say something like I gotta do this I'm gonna do this uh, and and we're all gonna do it uh, we're all gonna do it strongly and someone went and how and I'd go and Shar because your dad's name is How and your mom's name is Shar and I ran that show. For five months before anybody said, why do you keep saying Anshar? And it's like, because it's Al's mom's name. And his dad's name's How. What else would you say? Anshar. And it's like, no, it never got a laugh. It ne- nobody ever asked me. Oh, it got a laugh. Oh, it got a laugh. From got a laugh me from when, I, when I heard you do it and I was like, what the fuck did he just do? And Shar, are you right. kidding me? And I did and Shar for uh, the run of the fucking show. Until, as I believe the story goes, uh, Mr. Campbell called you on and said, he did. what the fuck does that yeah. mean? Right. And you said it and he said, well, nobody's going to get that. Yeah, but it, it was too late. Yeah. You know, that circus was running for, two, you know, for a few months. Well, but if the- he was a little more reasonable with that scene that we wrote, Mound. He didn't remember it. He did not remember Mound. I taught. I had an, an interview with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and I said, and we did Mound. He's like, Mound, what's Mound? It's like we did a scene named Mound. Well, and we, we tried. Were, well, he was in it, but I think that that uh, the idea of um, you know, it's a lot of what it is that that I do with you, or my relationship with you, and certainly with with your wife Rhonda and my dear friend Rhonda, my. You know, you're my best friends, and oh, I get really choked up about that. So, when I think about that, there's not necessarily a particular thing, but there is a wash, and the wash is trust. That when I'm here talking to you, there is unconditional love and unconditional trust. And I think that when people have foundations in their lives, the bedrock of that, when they have the basis of that, they can do anything. 
But if they feel that they've got to hide something from someone or they feel like they can't talk in a certain way around a friend, that is that affects your life and affects your choices hugely. Trust, the hallmark of trust. Meet, the hallmark of trust. Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. Yeah, keep going. I'm not going to say no. See, the, the thing about mound, <laughs> and I, I've, it's always bothered me, is because we, we sat at the kitchen table on right. Masher, yeah. and you were you typed, we hand wrote. I had the new, the new, the new brother uh, word, processor. word processor. Oh. 750 bucks for that thing. Uh, that had a floppy disk that could hold, I think, a paragraph. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think it took five floppy disks to hold a paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. And to screw in a light bulb. And we, we scripted it out, and you had a stellar cast, whatever cast you were in yeah, at it was the time. A really good cast. And you brought it to them because you were working on a show, and you could tell it, it was almost, you later told me that you felt that they sabotaged it by, they didn't treat it. It was a baseball scene and yeah. mound. It was the pitcher on the mound, yeah. and the pitching coach came out. This is for the, yeah. This is for Mr. Campbell, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah, one yeah. of like I reminded him, like yeah. The, but they was, didn't. First, it was the pitching coach came out, and then his dad came out, and then his mom came out, and people ex came out. Ex girlfriend, like, ex girlfriend came out. All the people came out saying, "What are you doing?" You know that sort. Of, and I thought, and I still think. It's a very viable scene. Um, Do you have it anywhere? Yes, a, I have it somewhere. Are you yes, serious? I some, yes, I have a it somewhere. A hard copy? I have a hard copy of it somewhere. Ooh. I have a hard copy of it somewhere. Pretty sure I do. We should do a reading. We should do a reading. A mound reading. A mound reading. And I think that people will be as excited now as they were then. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, but all, all, like all that, that work that we put in, and then you go, oh. I remember being frustrated by it, and now I think I would be so much less frustrated by it because I don't put a lot of weight on stuff anymore. But my best memory of Mound, if I may proceed, is that is the writing of it. That's my favorite thing. Is I love the performing is cool mm -hmm. and taking it to the next level and developing mm -hmm. it. And what's it like writing a song, arranging it, bringing it to the band? What's it gonna sound like? Performing it, recording it. But there is nothing like being there with the pen. And the guitar, and it's starting to tape shape, and you're writing the things down. So my, as far as I'm concerned, if Mound never gets performed, and I think at this point there's a pretty good chance that that's what's going to happen. Right. I had a, I have a, I haven't thought about it in ages, but right. I have a great memory of it because we were just riffing, and you were typing, and we were laughing. It was the best. Right. There's been so many scenes that I have sat with people and riffed and, and laughed about it, and then we perform it in front of an audience, and the audience doesn't give a fucking rat's ass about it. And it, the fun part of it was, because I remember doing a scene with Keegan-Michael Key, and, uh, and, and the, uh, Mr. Keegan was in it, uh, and we did a show in Detroit. I was directing the show in Detroit, Second City of Detroit, and we did a scene called um, Lame Circus, and it was things like, the boy, the man with the body out of an adult boy. Yeah. Um, the one-headed chicken. The, right. The tattooless man. No. Nope. Oh. Right. The oh, sober, no. the sober Irishman. Oh, no, 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 no thanks. And we laughed our fucking asses off, performed it in front of people, and no one got it. And the greatest fucking thing was to hear all the actors backstage laughing at how we weren't getting a laugh on stage. 
and trust and to go, we did it, we tried it, we did it. It was glorious failure. When you, when you're writing a song, when you're writing a song, what do you, what, what, how do you keep, not keep, how do you, you get excited about it, you get excited about an idea and how, how long does it take you to, to this is such a weird fucking question, but <clears throat> looking at a song, what do you get most excited about when you're writing something? After it starts to take shape. Mm -hmm. And what's an indication that it's taken shape? What is what? What's a what's a sign that oh this is taking shape? I don't feel like I'm flailing and I can't think of anything for my life and I want to put something down and I'm trying to write and nothing's coming out and that's the part where it's frustrating. I'm trying or you don't want to try too hard because right. if you try too hard, that's too late. Mm -hmm. But if you try too hard, it's too late. What does that mean? Because if you over, I think the most at a certain point of the creative process, when when you're trying to write a lyric or a melody or something like that, um, it's a delicate. It's like trying to wrap a wisp of smoke around a feather. Mm -hmm. And if you get all clunky with your hands and everything, the smoke's just going to disperse, the feather's going to break. So it's such a delicate thing. But once you capture that and you get the wisp of the smoke that's going around the feather and it's starting to work and you you start seeing what is the song is about mm -hmm. or you're starting to figure out where this is going. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of a framework there to work within. A little house of cards... And I'm fitting some words together. I have a rhythm. Maybe there's a semblance of a melody. Then it starts to get really exciting because then I have now I have something to be working with. Right. And I'm still improvising. I'm still trying to be delicate with it. You don't want to break it. You don't want to drop the baby. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's when it's the most fun. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it gets out of hand and you hit a wall. Sometimes the whole thing happens fairly quickly what happens very quickly the the whole process it, it becomes organic and um the the bronco is the bronco is bucking mm -hmm. and i'm not falling off mm -hmm. and it's great mm -hmm. and the, the rodeo clowns are you, you could see them in a blur because they're they're waiting for me to fall they're going to be there for me the rodeo clowns but i haven't fallen yet and that's when things are are going well mm -hmm. So when you're working with the wisp, with the wisp of smoke and the feather, and you are you're 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 backing away from it, what's the emotional feeling at that at that moment? Are you are are you breathing through it? Are you looking at it? Are you setting it down? Are you looking at the paper and you have your guitar in your hand? What does that look like? Well, in a way, it um, I've. It's like trying to explain how the sausage is made. It's not pretty, and it's not romantic. It's not like I'm sitting there with my jacket and my cognac snifter, although often it is, pretty much. <laughs> but sometimes uh, there's a rhythm and a melody, and I become obsessed with it, and then I'm in the car, and more words start coming out, and I feel like if I don't write them down or get them down now, I'm going to forget them mm -hmm. because I have. Anybody who's written a song will will agree with me right. that they'll be driving along and a, a 
a chorus or a, a line or two starts coming to you and you think, this is so great and so memorable that when I get home or when I get to where I'm going, I'll get the pen out, I'll write it down, I'll remember everything. And then you get to the next stoplight and you can't remember it. And so I have pulled off. Driving is a great time for me to be writing songs uh -huh. because my head is clear. There's no white noise. Right. Jordy, God bless him, isn't turning on Bozo or the mm -hmm. Bears or whoever, mm -hmm. and the TV, and there's no distractions, and I'm in the car, and I'm drinking coffee, and all of a sudden, holy fuck, words are coming to me, and and I'm looking for the next, and I try and remember them. Looking for the next what? Exit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Oasis. Pull off, place to pull off? Yeah, place um, to pull off. Uh, and you're not metaphoric. You're not being metaphoric here. You're saying literally where to pull the car. Pull the car off right. to the next gas station place on the interstate or wherever I am driving right. home from Cleveland so that I could I have a little pad of paper so I could jot it down. Or now, with my phone, go right to the notes thing, Got it. hit the, the microphone Siri button, and boom, I say the stuff, and then I look. And then the best part is then when it has the, the automated thing where it hears you wrong, right. the autocorrect, yeah. the lyrics are sometimes better. Yeah. Yeah, Siri, you're you are writing with Siri, but I've um, well, she's like she's amused like anybody else. Disclaimer, because I haven't really given her co-writes. Right. Ooh, for right. autocorrect. I wonder when that's going to happen, where people are going to say, you know what, Siri wrote this fucking thing. Siri wrote this totally. Well, by herself. Siri couldn't write it by herself because right. there needs to but be something to autocorrect. But you correct. can't write by yourself. There's also the the spirits, the muses, like all these other things that help you get to that point. What are I, the I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think for me, it's really so fucking important. I think about the people that listen to this podcast, and I feel like, because sometimes I'll steer us into a particular way, because I think, like, I would want to hear this particular thing. And, I, and this is the thing that I want to hear in particular, and that is this. When you are inspired, stop everything and, and just jot it the fuck down, then do it then. Yes, and I will say. I, I, I also want to say this again. When it hits you, jot it the fuck down, write the fuck now. Right. Or record it into your little However way you're going to do it. Right. It needs to be right. recorded now. Jot is, an, is a right. universal term. Exactly. Right. Get and it the I, fuck down. And also, any writer, songwriter, uh, perhaps, will also agree with me when I say that just through sheer laziness or the time, how many songs have I lost... <laughs> Because I thought, I'll just remember it. This is right. so great, I'll remember it. Or I'll wake up early in the morning and have some kind of idea and I don't write it down. The, the roadside is littered with songs <laughs> that people just didn't write. Right. And the muses are like, do I have to fucking like press it into your face? I gave you a great lyric. I gave you a great line. And, oh, I'll remember it. Right. Fuck right. you. You know, yeah. you don't want to piss the muse off. No. And you have to remember, like, the bag that holds creativity is really a screen. You don't want to call the muse a bag either. No, I'm not. But I'm saying what holds the creativity, right, is really, like, the bag is made out of screen. And you're going to have to, you got, you're not going to fucking remember it. You have a, a, a side bag that's made out of screen, and that's where you keep your songs. The muse comes down, and those the ideas are liquid, right? And he or she 
Muses right. are not necessarily women. But well, why are we defining gender when it comes to that? They're muses. They're muses. And they pour their liquid ideas, their liquid inspiration into your bag of screen. Yes. Made from screen. Right. And then it, and then it's on the seat of the car and right. you're sitting in it. Well, inspiration gets all the fuck over you. Oh. because Well, here's the thing. It's a good thing. Because I feel like it is liquid. Inspiration is liquid. It will go wherever it has to go. And it's your responsibility. Because really what we're talking about here, I feel, is... Um, mindfulness, awareness, awareness when you are inspired. I am fucking inspired right now. And to be aware that I'm inspired and to be aware not only that, oh, this is happening, this is the reason I'm alive, but also look at the output that's happening right now and I've got to write it the fuck down. And we're at a time right now where we're able to Siri it up or we're able to jot it down or wherever the fucking Evergram, 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 Evernote it. I don't know if you do that. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Okay. It is a great way of organizing. <laughs> it's a great way of writing notes down. It's fucking. It's a great app. Um, What's going to happen when we start getting these inspirations when we have dementia? Um, today, my aunt said to me, my ninety-five-year-old aunt said to me, she is the oldest person in that is. She has. She is. How could you say this? She has lived more longer than anybody else in our family has lived. She's ninety-five. And that's just not true. It's not true. Oh, who's her grandmother the, lived to be a hundred. Her uh, grandmother. Her grandmother lived to be a hundred. Okay. We have. She has an aunt, my aunt Eva, who's still alive and is ninety-seven. She's older than her. Yeah. But I didn't want to mention that. So when dementia comes in, and she doesn't have full-on dementia, she's got old brain, which is more elastic. So she's just a fucking liar. I didn't want to say that, but that's exactly what she okay. is. She's a fucking Because I know this woman, this so-called Aunt Annie that you speak of. Yeah. You know, I know right? her. Right. Oh, my God. Al, I saw her. I walked in. And this is another one of those energy things. The energy. I walked in. I have not seen her in three years, maybe four years. Get out. No, I haven't. Shame on you. I know. But here's the thing. She was living in a home. And, my, you know, it's just like I should have seen her. I really, I could have seen her and I should have seen her. But today I saw her and the look on her face, because she didn't know that we were coming. Oh, you know, she was blown away. She was totally fucking blown away. And her blown away blew me away. Her excitement of it, I was, all, I was on the verge of tears the entire time. She could not stop. I swear to God, she could not stop kissing me, holding my hand. I've got a picture of her holding my hand. Um, and it's just like I could not not have this picture because I was looking at her hands and I took a picture of uh, Bo's mom's I hands remember. too. I remember. And, and she this, kind of posed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she did. That's the picture of my holding my Aunt Annie's 95-year-old oh. hands. Oh. And that's her high school graduation gift ring that she got. So she's had it for, I don't know, 78, 78 years. I see shoes. Yeah, those are her shoes. No, those are my good. mom's shoes. Okay. You know? That's fantastic that she's yeah, so Yeah, but you know what also, this is, this, I'm going to say this too, because I've mentioned this in other podcasts. What you did with your Zadie, with the uh, butcher paper and the recording and the crayon or marker, whatever the fuck yeah. it was, what did you do? Well, my grandpa, uh, Rudy. Right. Um, Rudy Brodsky. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in... 1981, and how old was he? He was, he was in his 80s at the time, and mm -hmm. Grandma, I went to their house on Rockwell, and Did you I, call him Grandpa and Grandma? Grandpa and Grandma, right. Mm -hmm. My dad's parents were Bubby and Zadie. Oh, got it. Just so... I never met know. them. No. 
Um, and so I brought over my Hitachi cassette player. Mm -hmm. And I, to his apartment, which did not look much, it looked like this. This apartment. It looked like it was a Chicago apartment, but there was a little more mothball. Got it. In the air. And other smells of, you know, baked stuff and, right. and whatever. And, yeah. You know. But I sat down and I said, I want to hear about the old country. That's what they refer to as the old country. Right. Now, when you're in LA and you think about Chicago, do you think about Chicago as the old country? Um, or is that from the old days? I think about. Uh, Same country. I, I think about like Elk Grove Village is the old, the old country. country. Yeah, I think about yeah. Settle up. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that was it. I sat down with a, and while he was talking, he was looking to kind of, uh, he was having a hard time describing this town square of her choice. Mm -hmm. And I went to the. I wanted to get a piece of paper. I went to the pantry. And that the only paper that was there was in, that I was able to find was some butcher paper. Mm -hmm. And we got a, a pen or a crayon or whatever was mm -hmm. there. And he drew a picture. I don't know where that is. I'm sure I have mm -hmm. it somewhere. Mm -hmm. The cassette, I made copies, gave it to all the, 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 you know, the grandkids. Right. And it's, it's there. And wow, it, it's, uh, I last heard it probably it maybe 10 years ago when I was at my mom's place down in Florida and I saw the, the cassette tape and to her that you know that was she'd never played any um, medium media right. I took it out to the car and I put it in and I sat there for about 15 minutes and listened to my grandparents voices the voices think of the voices how, how, I know I had a dream that my grandmother called me I, I had a dream that my Bobby called me at your place in LA I, I don't remember where I, well, I was in, in L.A. But what I'm wondering is, did she call your landline or your cell phone? She called the landline. Because what, they didn't have cell phones. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't know my, my cell number. Right. And wherever she is. So she called me, and it was her voice. But you have, and, and again, the, anybody, if you can, write, like, fucking put this down. We live in a time now where these people are going to be gone. Well, they are gone. They are gone. Yeah. And my time with Annie today. And Jordy got upset because I was taking pictures of Annie and recording it and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, this is why I'm here. I'm here to recognize the fact that I'm alive right the fuck now. And people say, well, why do you take pictures of, of you know, of Bloody Marys and all the food that you have? Because you know why? I'm fucking alive, dude. Well, here's a thought for you. You should, you should record, and, and it's so easy now, but record, sit down with your mom and mm -hmm. your dad and record their voices. Because <coughs> everybody thinks, do this with your grandparents, do right. this with the older right. people. Right, right. But... Yeah, well, I, it's so funny because you know my mom's my mom will call me April tenth is my birthday, and she will call me every April tenth. And what's the first thing that she will say to me? Five days labor. She was in labor with me for five days, mm -hmm. and that's what she keeps reminding me. So the other day I said, "Tell me about five days labor. Tell me everything." But I didn't fucking record it. Well, no, you do another time. No, I'm a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That you're a failure? No. Failure. You don't believe that for a second? No, I don't. I fucking don't. <sighs> we remember the, there's a picture. Of course you remember it. But I want to remember it to the table here. The day that we were in the car with my grandpa. Right. 
Rudy. What was the situation? Was I with him and I was drive picking you up and you needed a lift somewhere? Or you dropped me what off. Do do? You dropped. You're the Chevelle, and you dropped Chevette. me off. Chevette, pardon me. You're the Chevette, and you dropped <laughs> <Chevette>. me off. <laughs> Shit, my dad is the Chevelle. Um, you had. You dropped me off at my house, my mom's house. Right. So I know that I'm working backwards. What was the circumstance leading up to that? I don't know. I don't. I don't that know. I, for some reason, I remember picking up your grandfather somewhere, and I think it might have been at his house. But of course, the legend that you know that now other people will know is that you got out we were in the car for for a period of time with my grandpa we dropped you off at your mom's house mm -hmm. you got out of the car you walked i think you came back or you had your camera you took a picture of us right and then you went in the house we got in the car and as we were put it, pulling away my grandpa turned to me or maybe he didn't even turn to me he was just looking forward and he said he looks like you <laughs> right but of course, that's also not a surprise to the people when we walked into Cross Currents, you, me, and Jordy, and people saw me and said, oh, you guys are brothers, yeah. obviously. Yeah. When Jordy was there. I, you know, just you saying walking into Cross Currents with Jordy and, and me um, makes me think of how many venues you, how many sh shitty shows you've seen of mine. Well, let's well. work backwards. See, there was last night. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, but that's what friends do. It's not even a, a, it's the easiest thing in the world. When you were doing all the, the shows, the heralds, whoa. I mean, you can tell me where they were, but I always went. Right. As well as you were at all my gigs dating back to the begin, begin, uh, beginning of time. And up including the time when I, what, what did I do? That I break my ankle or my fingers? You, no, what we were doing is where there was a fire across the street from where we lived. <laughs> and we were running down to look at it. And you hit the last step. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, you yeah, broke yeah. your ankle I or didn't something. break it. I no, tore the something. Yeah, tore the ligaments. And then you right. had a show that night. Or that you had a show soon after that. At Biddy Mulligan's. At Biddy Mulligan's. And I needed you to help me right. because I was going to have to sit down for the gig. Right. And the funniest thing that ever happened gig-wise was there was a time where I would switch from my electric guitar to the acoustic mm -hmm, guitar, mm -hmm. and you were so cool, and you got everything set up and plugged in. I was a roadie for you. And handed me the guitar, and there was no sound coming from it, and we were trying to figure it out, we were, and we were crawling around, and we figured out that you had plugged my electric guitar into my acoustic guitar. <laughs> and oddly enough, there wasn't any sound. No sound, but we were, except the sound of our laughter. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like all this gig, but I do remember the first gig that I saw you play at, you and Dave K. Um, this is the first time we're talking about Dave K. Then. Rabbi uh, Dave K. Rabbi Dave K. Um, was uh, at uh, FAR? PAR? In F Champaign? FAR. You went to F one of those? I went to one of those. I saw oh. you guys play, and you, you, did, um, you did a Springsteen's? No, you did. You did. Uh, uh, Be careful! Mom, I'll take a badge. Uh, knocking on heaven's door. You did knocking on heaven's door, uh, and you did a couple more songs. I think you did a Springsteen song, which I can't remember uh, right now. I think but, we did 
she's the one was our Springsteen yes, cover. Yes, right, right, right. From right. his current album, Born to Run. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But looking at, I, you know, you go, you, you, when you said Rabbi Dave Kay, I think about Rabbi Dave Kay, and I think about the people that I know that became fucking rabbis, and spiritual leaders, and, and spirituality has had such a major part in, in, in our relationship. And, I, and when I say our, I'm, I'm always including Rhonda in that. Like our relationship, the spirituality, the groundedness, the, that's, that's, uh, that's also based in Judaism, but it's also further than that. It's deeper than that. It's more important than, not more, well, I'm going to say more important than that because it is for me. Um, it's that idea of, of, of we're here, we're energy, we're spirit, and we're, we're fucking giving each other. and We haven't stopped. And our friends haven't stopped giving each other. You know, our relationship with Maury, Maury Smith, and, and, and all the stuff that Maury's done, and, and how, much we've, how much we've all inspired each other. And I think that people really need to look at their friends and go, I am not anything. I am who I am because of the inspiration that I got from friends. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I can't say, I say, oh, yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen, if you amen, will. Amen, if you will. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Jacobs. Right, our friend Bo Jacobs. Mm-hmm who I always thought we thought he was going to be a rabbi. So what is he instead? He is a rabbi to he me. He is a rabbi. Rabbi is, is a teacher. He's right. a, he teaches me. Right. And his voice, you know, it's a, the voice of reason. It really seems and like And the, the voice of stooge. Uh, absolutely. And the voice, you know, you look at him, you go, he, he's, you know, he's, he drinks and he eats and he lives and he's alive and he cooks food and, and, and his kids are fucking awesome motherfucking human beings on this planet who are just an insp- inspiring in their own way. And I don't see them as Bo's kids. No. I see them as human fucking beings. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you, know, you know what I mean? I see them as artists in their own right. All of them. Yep. Yep. They done good. They done good. We all done good. They're our kids. In a way, they are. You know, the knockers that, that, that a Bo gets, I, I get some of that knockers too. I also feel like I get some nachos from them. Mm-hmm. As well, well, they do cook. They do cook, you know. But it's, uh, it's it's inspiring, and I don't stop being inspired, and I don't stop. You know, Rhonda and I were we were talking about a book the other day, and I know that Rhonda reads a lot of books, and to, to hang with somebody, and and you read a lot of books, and to hang with somebody and go, what are you reading now? What are you what are you listening to now? What are you reading now? And we don't stop because we're searching. Well, we're ser- but we're not even intentionally searching. It's not like I'm searching. It's more like that turned me on to that turned me on to that turned me on to that turned me on to. And and the the art that you've turned me on to, and the collage of, of the the uh, the Eiffel Tower up there. And I know that uh, that that Noel and Chris have that one of those in their house and that the artwork that you've done and and owning Kopi uh, cafe and the art that you put out there and you're a fucking enabler dude I'm sorry but you are you're responsible they're they're gonna track they're gonna catch up to me someday but don't you feel that I you probably don't look at it in that way nah I don't feel like I don't look at it like that I just feel like I'm just trying to keep it together one foot in front of the other I'm inspired. I'm doing my stuff. It's just a lot of it is just instinct. What you know, situations coming by. I'm just dealing. Right. But you're also celebrating. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Oh, of course. And, and in my life, you have been at so many seminal parts of my life. It's crazy. You know, uh, the idea of like meeting you in Champagne and I was in DeKalb and me going down to Champagne and going, what the fuck is this place? Like, how come, how come I couldn't get into school here? And look at all the cool people that are fucking, and this guy's playing music and he's playing music and Maury's playing music and, 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 and Bo's there and Bo's my you know best friend and you're close to him. And I go, what a fucking great world that we live in. And then for you, you know, for all of us to, and you to come up and to hang out with Rhonda and to get to know your wife yeah. in that way and, and how we've shared all this experience and living together for eight or nine years or however long it was going to be and you being at my wedding and you being at all the breakups that I've had and the crazy women that I've gone out with and the shitty shows that I've done and we have all been there and go, yeah, Dave's doing that. <laughs> Dave's doing that. It's like, yeah, there was a woman named Roxanne. It's like, why are you doing that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm doing that. Well, I don't know if we thought of it in those terms. I certainly look to go, no, but I am now. Right. Let's stop there. Okay. All right. Thank you. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.